welcome back to Try Not to Die. I'm your diabolical menace, No Perito, and I'm here with our lone hero. Lisa Condemi, a.k.a. Gorgonzola. I might not have done my cultura, but I know a little something about agricultura. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a deep cut to your farmer past, but I respect it because you came up with it in less than 10 seconds before we started recording. <laughs> deep cut, more like a harvest. Oh, my. God, gang, it's going to be a good one today. I could just tell. <laughs> that or we're burning all the good stuff up front. <laughs> yeah, this is everything I got. <sighs> Ooh, what do I play again? Well, okay, so prostrate yourself before me. I'm the narrator. I do. Therefore, you all have to obey me. You I am me before the start of every session. <laughs> Everyone, pray to me. She should too. It's time for the recap. Last time. Our hero woke up from her depressing divinations to find that she was bound in the dimensional shackles Erza had gifted her. <laughs> Just such an insulting sentence. A level stronger in chain. <laughs> a W and an L. A W and an L. Apparently, a lot had changed within the first might since her mother left her with her father. And given those developments, her heritage made her a person of interest. Since the situation was so complex, the orc captain Taleggio had decided it would be best to keep her bound while they traveled to keep her from running off. Linking her by rope to the recently demoted Kunik, the hunting party finished their preparations for the day and set off north towards Affinage. The journey was, thankfully, relatively easy, giving Zolo the opportunity to speak with Kunik via message. Inquiring more about the happenings of the First Might, Zola got the impression that her mother was no longer a leader. In fact, she seemed to be someone she should never speak of. Worse, the new chief that had replaced her, Ardrahan, was no one to be trifled with. A high priest and sacerdote of Grumsh, this zealous orc had radicalized the First Might and was determined on bringing Grumsh's vision of conquest to the material plane. Zola was dismayed by the circumstances, but knew that for now, all she could do was bide her time, hoping she could make some allies with those who weren't entirely sold on the current regime. Nearing sunset, the party finally arrived at the eye-shaped fortress city of Affinage, a glorified war camp turned settlement over the past two decades since the war. Despite its rough exterior and some of the more unsettling aggressive features, the city was actually a marvel, evidence that the First Might was still alive and trying to make a life for itself in the frigid north. She was led to Chiesa Grumsh, the central temple to Grumsh, meeting the sacerdote Ardahan himself, finding him disturbing and yet friendly. Uh, seeing her mm, <laughs> yeah, friendly. a little uns you I want to point out pause the recap I want to point out that you said I like that guy after you spoke <laughs> with him so your words not mine uh, seeing her for who she was and recognizing Grumsh's gift her burning red eye the orc priest demanded she be freed of her shackles and welcomed despite her human heritage the high priest took Gorgonzola to his private sanctum opening up to her about his goal to bring Grumsh to the material plane and assist in his conquest and and asking her to take his side and forget her mother and uh well it's kind of a slippery slope from there folks <laughs> our hero knew her only chance would be to earn this villain's trust and so despite her reservations she committed to his cause the next day she would rise and go through the trials of la cultura to become a true orc and then they would take on the elves conquer their kingdoms and use their power to bring grimsh back <laughs> zola had successfully won over the new orcish leader now all she had to do was stay alive long enough to figure out her next move since she wasn't going to be imprisoned zola was allowed to roam the city to <laughs> 
it, uh, oh, spoiler, that is what was going to happen. Uh, Zola was allowed to roam the city to, quote, meet her subjects, taking along the incredibly bashful and naive Gruyere as her guide. He led her to the burlesque theater and tavern Fondue Me Dirty, giving her the opportunity to talk with him via message while they were surrounded by the chaos. Thanks to a clever use of Detect Thoughts, Zola managed to find out that her mother was still alive, having been exiled for an unknown reason. This is reminding me that Zola got exiled from Padawick. Yes. The foils increase. Mm. And we played that music in this episode. Yes, you know? yes, we definitely do. Releasing the poor acolyte, Zola was then seen and joined by Kunik, who had promised to meet her earlier. The two talked, again, mostly Bye, via Grier. message. Bye, Greer. Hope you don't get into any trouble. About her mother's situation and the state of the first might, getting a feel for Kunik's loyalty while formulating a plan for the days ahead. After briefly considering heading out to explore, Zola decided to stay and drop a hundred gold to pay for drinks for everyone at Fondumi Dirty, taking the first steps to endear herself to her people. And that is where we are right now. You are in the tavern Fondumi Dirty. Um, it is, as I described last time, one of the most populated and dilapidated buildings within this city. <laughs> Torchlight illuminates the rickety debris form tavern and inside its heavily graffitied walls, the aesthetic chaos caused by our hero's very generous purchase, the bartender, a female half-orc with black hair striped with silver is already filling up every clay cup she has with that murky vodka-like liquor. She hands you a cup after handing several others out and smiles. You have just made me one of the richest people in town. I'll buy you a shot too then. <laughs> Absolutely. She pours herself one. Kunik takes her own cup and looks at you with these yellow-green eyes brimming with surprised reference. A toast to the Stregorede. With her, the first might will be mighty once more. The crowd roars, raising their drinks to praise the returning witch heiress. They down them and cheer again as a knoll band begins to play a jaunty tune. You hear DJ Bard Boy's uh, intro once again as the music begins to bounce and the dancers once again take the stage, beginning another bombastic performance. Kunik finishes her drink. I tip the burlesque dancers heavily. <laughs> oh, thank you! Uh, and then you see they immediately fall over because all three of them start fighting for the coin that you gave them. Let's get, let's get some coins for these ladies! <laughs> People are now tossing coins at them as they brawl, betting on who's going to win. Um, and Kunik... Oh, I didn't think that way. <laughs> Kunik finishes That's drinking, <laughs> slamming her cup on the table, turns to you and goes, You just made a lot of friends tonight. Yeah, I hope so. I hope they'll come tomorrow. You think people will come tomorrow? Gorgonzola, I guarantee that anyone who's anyone will be there. Probably the whole city will show up. Okay, no pressure. Um, no pressure. No, it's going to be totally fine. I set down my drink that in all the hubbub I did not touch at all. Um, I guess you could show me the rest of the city if you want. Of, of course, Grier yes. was showing me around, but he seems a little sheltered. Uh, you do look over at Grier and find that he is being tossed in the crowd like one of the beach balls at a concert. Um, he's just shouting, I do not know what's going on! Because his eyes are again covered. <laughs> uh, Kunik goes, yeah. He's going to have a great night. Oh, this might be the most he's ever gotten out. He probably sp stays most of the time in the temple, so... 
Um, but yes, I can show you around. Is, uh, is there anything you want to do here, or are you ready to... No, I just wanted to buy a couple people some drinks, I guess. Well, and she looks at everyone who is, like, cheering and, like, for cheese, like, darling, good man. She looks back to you. You certainly did that. So, uh, yeah, I can I can show you around. Yeah, let's get out of here. I don't really like the spotlight. <laughs> Follow me. She leads you through the crowd who, unlike the first time she walked through it, fully parts for the two of you. Many people being like, oh, so great to meet you. You're so cool. I'm fist bumping. I'm reaching out fist bumping Yo, people. fuck yeah, yeah. You see that uh, uh, that hill giant who had walked off to go pee um, has come back. And he's hey, like, Tolga. Hey, shorty. What up? Well, thanks for the drink. And he's carrying, he's literally got like an entire barrel that he's like cracked <laughs> open. He's like, boom, boom, boom. I don't know if I bought that. All right. Good chill here. Take it easy. <laughs> See you later. Uh, you head back out into the much quieter streets. You hear the music kind of getting a little quieter behind you as you walk out. There are still a number of the elite guards positioned throughout the city. Um, there are two specifically that you think are probably the more elite ones, mm -hmm. and they seem to be the ones from Kiesa Grunch, the one they have like me. tailed you. Yes. Right. Um, I glance all the graffiti outside. Do you do you have anything here? Ah, uh, yeah, that one right there. Uh, and she points up to, like, near the top. Um, and it is a kind of rough drawing of her own face. And then with, like, a little, like, middle finger next to it. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it, it's... You're a good drawer, too. You think so? Yeah, I like it. It looks a lot like I could tell right away it was yours even before you pointed at it. It's a little abstract, but th thank you. I appreciate it. I, I'm I like how big your fist is. <laughs> that is my... Uh, she raises her fist and goes, <laughs> some of my favorite things about me are how big my hands are. And they are very big. <laughs> Great fist. Um, hold on. Okay. I'll do something. Um, and Zola will kind of like climb up kind of next uh, to scribble onto the eve that she has scribbled on. And I will carve with uh with the tip of the tusk <laughs> full extend you don't even have to reach the like high you just like are type of drawing with it um z heart cc oh there's a moment where you look up at it and you can almost hear her voice in your head miss you and you see kunik next to you goes are you looping someone in what, what does cc mean Oh, just someone important to me. Oh. Well, um, and she looks around. Where do you want to go first? I mean, I've seen where people get drunk. I've seen where people pray. I guess... Just take me around where people live and work. I just kind of want to see, like, yeah. the houses and the yards... Yeah, I'll, I'll show you. You guys begin to walk down that main avenue, the one that literally runs from one end of the city to the very other through the plaza. She first is going to take you back towards the gate where you came. So you guys pass by the now mostly closed markets. You see the vast majority of them have like packed up their tents and mm -hmm. closed down the awnings of their makeshift buildings. Um, but you do see a few places that are still open. You know, there's like a that tattoo parlor slash... Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, do you have any tattoos, Kuna? Ah, uh, yes, actually. Um, and she uh, kind of um, unbuttons her tunic a little bit, and you see a tattoo of the tusk, which is the symbol of the first might in the center of her chest. Oh, It's something shit. that 
all of the elite warriors get. It doesn't really mean anything now that I am no longer one of them, but uh, yes. Can you work your way back up? It will take a little bit. I. You did it once. I did. Maybe I can get your promotion. <laughs> she blushes and looks away. <laughs> Over here is where um, she shows you first as you're walking by behind the main marketplaces are a few of the larger structures, those storehouses I mentioned. They're very simple in design. They honestly just look like big barns. But she gestures to them and she says, a lot of people um, you uh, work there with the cheeses and storing the food, curing processes. Others are, and she gestures out towards the gates, foragers and um, hunters, and she keeps walking. This is actually where uh, I grew up, and she oh. points over at uh, what looks almost like a small little cul-de-sac kind of area. Um, it's completely quiet now because it's evening, but she points out, and she goes, that was my house, and points out one that it's very, very narrow, mm-hmm. kind of looks like it's tilting to one side, like the top floor of it has been shifted over slightly, mm-hmm. like it took an impact and somehow <laughs> is still standing, but shouldn't be. Um, she goes, ah. Your parents? Ah. And she messages you. Forgotten. Oh. Oh, I'm so sorry. They were not fond of the way the new government was handling things. So um, they they were some of the ones who stood up for, and she looks to you and looks at your armor and your sword. Oh. See. You don't think... um. You don't think we could be related, do you? Like cousins, or do you know if anyone might be related to me? Like an an uncle or an aunt or all forgotten? I know that the royal bloodline, many of them were lost, but there is one. Here? Can you say? She looks at you. I'm just putting it together now. Ardrahan. He was related to your mother. I don't know if they were... I mean, as you know, she's forgotten now, so that whole wing of history has been erased, but I believe that he was... If what my parents said was true, that he was a member of the royal bloodline. Oh. Okay. Right. Thanks for telling me all this. I know you're not supposed to. Well, we're not supposed to do a lot of things, but sometimes we do them. So, anyways. um, Do you want to break into a cow pasture? Absolutely. Uh, follow me. <laughs> she uh, grabs your hand and, and leads you back through the streets and kind of takes you towards um, where the outer palisade is. And that is where a lot of the animals are being kept. Um, some of the more significant ones, like the mounts, you see that they're in their stables along the way to this area. But there are a few like small houses, almost like apartment buildings that have little yards that are where the very few cattle that are here remain. 
um, and you see most of them are kind of sleeping, and uh, you know it's it's getting a little late now, so there's just a soft uh, every once in a while. Um, and Kunik goes, "That one's my favorite." Um, she points out the one that coincidentally you had um, pet on oh, your way in. I love when they have bangs. Oh, it's so cute. It's so cute. <sighs> Could I ask you a favor? And I know I've already asked you a bunch of favors. You outrank me. Well, okay. Um, I kind of wanted to say something before my cultura tomorrow, but I do, I do not speak any Orcish, and it's kind of embarrassing to be the only person speaking common in the place. Do you? think you could maybe help me learn a little bit it doesn't have to be the whole thing but maybe just like the beginning and the end or see i can definitely help you um what what, what do you need me to translate um and i'll i'll kind of show her what i what i want to say i won't uh i won't tell you now but it's all inoffensive there's no mention of my mother no mention mm. of the tusk or the strigarita even it's just kind of a, an introductory speech but i just want to be able to say some some words in orcish. Give me an intelligence check. Okay. Dirty twine. It is a hard language to master, for sure. Mm-hmm. It is a lot like, and I don't mean this in a, a negative way, it is a lot harsher sounding. Some of it does sound like our realm's Italian, but it's mm-hmm. also got a lot of just like a lot of glottal and harsh kind of like um, sharper noises, but you actually do a decent job at working out this small speech with her uh, as the two of you kind of stand before one of these tiny pastures where a few cows are um, roaming. Um, you finish learning what you need to learn, and she goes, you sound perfect. You're going to be amazing tomorrow. Thank you. If I if I start fucking it up, just step in and translate for me, okay? I would absolutely get my head cut off for that, but... Okay. Just go with your guts. You're going to be... How do you feel? Do you feel ready? I'm ready for whatever physical task they have for me, but I guess I'm just nervous that I'll still feel like an outsider by the end of it. I promise you. So long as you succeed, you will not be. What was your cultura like? Hard? Yes. Well, they are all kind of... It, they, they follow three sort of principles. The first is a trial of physical strength. Might of the body. Then is might of the mind. Then might of the spirit. The last one is kind of different for everyone. It's a test of your character. But the first two are always the same. Well, I mean, maybe they changed the second one because it is kind of a puzzle. But the first one is always the same. Right. It's first is, and she gestures back towards the Chiesa, and you know where that obstacle course arena arena is. The first is to just get through this course. It is a test that will push you physically, um, will test your constitution and how dexterous you may be. Then they will test your mind, your ability to reason and just work out things that any battle-minded individual should be able to work out. And so if you can get through those, then I bet your character will stand as well. 
I hope so. I guess I should get a good night of sleep before. Yeah. Uh, what, what are you staying in the Kesa? Yes. I will take you back there. Okay, thank you. You two turn back away from the cows and head down the side streets to get to the main boulevard. The, as you head back, you do clock those elite guards who, again, have just been tailing this entire time, have never lost you. You guys head down the main avenue. You pass guard towers. You pass by um, more the storehouses, the closed markets, and the various apartment buildings that are all stacked on top of each other haphazardly, some of them even leaning against each other for support. You pass by Fondumi Dirty, and you see someone goes, Hey, it's the Strangerator! I stick my tongue out. Ah! <laughs> um, a huge cheer echoes from Fondumi Dirty as you give a wave. All right, guys, catch me at my cultura. <laughs> Good way to be there, little one. And we hung over as fuck. You continue down the boulevard, um... passing through the way back into the curd though they are all lit by torchlight the only one that actually seems to be active is gawking shite's sanctum um as you hear just like again more of that like raucous laughter and kind of pained yelps what goes on in there gawking shite is uh, his connection to the first might is it's limited it's uh, it's at, at any moment we worry he would break off. That's how chaotic it is. But oh. he is, he finds his kicks in different ways. Mm. Interesting. And at this point, you guys are before the massive spiked dome of the Kesa. And where do you live? I, and she pauses for a moment. I live in the barracks. I, I had a different location, but since I'm, I'm losing rank. I have to go back with the grunts, so. Oh, that sucks. I'm sorry. Hey, you said it yourself. If I did it once, I can do it again. Yeah. I didn't mean to come here and just fuck up your life, though. It takes two. I'm the one who challenged you. I'm nervous for tomorrow, but I'm glad that you'll be there in the audience. I'll cheer you on louder than anyone else. You better. Believe me, it'll be hard to hear me. There's going to be plenty of people, and they are all going to be cheering for and against you. Well, hopefully half of them are hungover. Yes, I think that at least a chunk of them are going to remember tonight. She smiles and heads off back through the city as you head into the Kesa um, and find your way to your room. When I get to my room, I want to summon Stilton back to me. Excellent. Yeah, you enter into this room. It is it is a small curtain blocked space, as expected. Very plain. It's it reminds you of the cabin that NP was staying in. It's got like a rustic sort of um, feel to it, and it is well kept and clean. But it's more decorated in the way a church hall would decorate a room. There's you know a small clay cup of water and like a bottle where you can get some water. There's a few pieces of dried fruit, nuts, jerky to snack on. There's a single bed positioned up against the wall opposite. Nothing too fancy, but clearly like the more one of the more comfortable ones they have. It's very simple, but you close the curtain behind you and sit down, take out the incense, trace the circle and the glyphs in the ground, and you after a few minutes, I'll say, free summon Stilton. Um, and I, I'm, you're still in owl form, right? Yes. It's just appearing. So, 
you see still in suddenly sitting there, head turning 180 degrees. Ho, ho, ho. We're an affinage. Ho, is like looking around excitedly, hopping. My mom isn't here. Oh? Yeah. I feel like I have so much to catch you up on. Um, and I'm just going to like check in with Stilton. Stilton, as you go, I feel like I have so much to check up on. Stilton f- f- flies onto your shoulder and you like look over and he headbutts you on the head in a similar way that he has in some of your dreams Mm -hmm. and you see flashes of the past like day or so in which all this has happened and after a moment he blinks and goes and like puts his his feathers (laughs) around you and is like clasping onto your head and kind of crawling on you is trying to give you comfort I'm scruffing uh, Stilton's head feathers a few um, of the pied feathers um, like fluff up as you do Thanks, buddy. It's good to have you here with me. I want to try something that I've tried before, which is to try and tap into that space that I go to while I'm dreaming, that kind of divination plane. But I'm going to go about it a slightly different way this time. Zola takes out one of her... um, pieces of paper that she does her homework on and kind of, kind of irons it out and then writes down everything that's on her mind all of her fears all of her worries all of her questions about her mother all of her anger until it's full front and backside and then she takes a couple of deep breaths lights it on fire with you know the the matches that she uses for her incense she and Stilton watch it burn, and then she's going to say to Stilton, just peck me with your beak if I seem like I'm actually falling asleep. And Zola is going to try and meditate and see if she can close her eyes and find her way to that place without fully giving herself over to sleep. Well, 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 folks, you introduce a cool plane between planes and now your players want to get to it. What do you do? Okay, give me an intelligence check. You're essentially going to be using your spellcasting modifier for this. I'll let you roll with advantage. It's going to be a pretty high DC. Whenever I start to snore a little bit, Stilton just... Yeah, you feel a sharp peck right Ow. on your hand. Okay, or right. Your neck. Focusing. Ooh. I see it already. Nat 20, Noah. Nat <sighs> 20, I literally Noah. knew the moment Plus you pitched five. this idea. I was like, okay. It takes a little bit. You have those moments where you slowly start drifting and then, ow, pecked by Stilton. You keep focusing, keep focusing, keep focusing. And you open your eyes and you find yourself once again in that void. Your connection does not feel as strong. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you with a nat 20 that you feel like that's because the shard is initiating this. And perhaps the shard has been, in a lot of ways, kind of bolstering this natural ability that you have. But you have now, without their help, tapped into it. I'm going to try and do like the easiest things first to try and like warm the place up to my presence. I will reach out and try and you know, grab my portents for the day, feeling that like familiar dream feeling. Yeah. You start to get flashes, just pictures of the course from tomorrow. Um, 
atop of a tower, running through various obstacles. Um, something else at the very end. It looks like someone's standing before you. You're getting kind of a few vague, blurry flashes of what could be ahead. Do I feel like I could cast while I'm in here? Yeah, I mean, what would you... Go ahead and try. <laughs> what do you want to try? I guess I will cast one of my new spells that came from uh, my shard touched feature. I will cast see invisibility to just see if there's anything that is on this plane that I would not necessarily see myself. You focus in, your eyes flash blue as you look forth into this normally dark void and find that you are looking into this almost it reminds you of the astral sea but not it's like everything's sort of intangible there's like a bluish tint to everything give me an arcana check i cannot believe this worked this is not a world where i thought that this would work rolled a nat 20 to get here i mean this is all we're in a whole other world we're in that world where we didn't (laughs) think it was gonna work well it is a 10 for arcana you have very limited knowledge of other planes of existence, so it's not like you're going to be able to name this for what it is. But you do get a sense that you are kind of like the the void plane that you are in, this space between spaces, it kind of overlaps with whatever this other plane of existence that you are now seeing into, whatever this like invisible world is. You see that there are like spirits, like, like, and the only reason you can surmise that they are some form of spirit is because the, the way that they're moving isn't so, like, clouds whipped by the wind. It's more intentional. Some of them almost are, like, fish kind of creatures that are swimming through the air. You are standing in this marvel of strange life and light. It's it's very interesting. But you, you don't necessarily see anything that might jump out at you aside right. from the fact that this is, like, you're peering into another world and you're it somehow overlaps with this one. It's not like you're, like doing what you did with Marfin and teleporting there kind of thing or seeing through him. Yeah, you're like seeing that this world overlaps with another. Yeah, interesting. And do I feel any of that um, power that I felt to travel anywhere else or that's kind of missing component? Now that you have re-entered this space and rolled a nat 20, I'll say that in a similar way, you feel like it is limited the way it was last time, where you might not be able to do a bunch of things, but you think that you could try something. It might be a little harder without the shards kind of energy there, but you certainly can try. The second that Zola feels that kind of energy like buzzing around her skin, she shuts her eyes closed, clenches her fist, and says, Take me to Edgefall Island. Take me to Edgefall Island. Give me a check using your spellcasting modifier. Okay. Heart beating hard. Okay, it's plus five, guys. 18. 18 is still pretty good. You focus. It's, it's like trying to remember a dream as it escapes you. You're focusing. You can see the images. You see the marble floors with streaks of opalescent. You see the, the nave of this temple, all of the things, some of them ancient and toppled, all frozen in place. You see that same book that you had tossed your first time in there. You look towards where the fountain and the statue would be. You again do not see the statue. You feel it flickering and kind of blurring as you're turning your head looking around 
you don't think that you're going to be able to have the same level of autonomy you've had there, but at least for this moment, you're glancing into this space. You think that you might have, like, you might have the time to do, like, one more thing, essentially. Could I speak? Yes. Zola, like, pressing her face through these, like, layers of reality and peering into the temple is going to try and call out in the only way that she has been called out to, and she shakes her hands out and clears her throat and says, Hello, are you there? I thought I heard you in my dreams. Please show me you care. Or are you gone, as it seems? There's a tiny spark. Maybe 12 of us or more. But we believe you lived, and the weave you can restore. Your voice echoes throughout this space. Silence. And then... Zola? And you turn, and you see, standing behind you at, like, the opening of this church, is, once again, the shard. You see, now seven, eight years old, full child. Give me an insight check. Seven. You're not seeing the parallel that perhaps our audience will, but this young, androgynous-looking child looks to you. What? How are you, how are you doing? What? How are you doing this? I've been looking for you. Are you okay? I'm... Wow. You... Wow. Wow. I am just... I can't believe that you did this. I... Looks around. Whoa. Have you been here? Or did I bring you here? You... You... You brought me here. I've... I rem... Looks around. Walks down the nave past you still looking around i'm following at a distance you follow and you watch as the shard stops before where the fountain is where the statue is no longer and tilts their head did you have something to do with this i should ask you the same thing yeah the shard smiles it's all coming back what is Stay the course, Sola. And you <laughs> open your eyes and you hear a knock on the side of like the door frame outside. Groomsh morning! You mark off a full long rest. You did somehow get some sort of sleep, but you are no longer connected. Even though Zola is gone from that space and no longer connected with the shard. Before opening her eyes, she still takes a deep breath and says, don't trust him. He's not a friend to magic. And then rises and hustles Stilton into her closet and calls, Groom's morning. Um, the curtain is slightly opened, and you see one of the older monks. One oh, of you're opening orcs. the curtain. No. Oh, sorry, I didn't know. I, I thought that was a... Um, no, I, it's fine. I slept in my armor. Oh, um, clears his throat. Um, are you... 
ready to become one of us. Yeah. I will give you a few moments, and then... Wow. I, I'll meet you out there. Okay. It seems so <laughs> excited. Uh, turns and leaves. Um, and you have a moment. Is there anything you want to do before the day begins? I mean, Zola, like, slumps against the door and has, like, a quick panic attack, I think. Just gasping. And you see Stilton peers out from, where, like, the little closet you had shoved him in to kind of keep him in hiding. He goes, ooh, and comes over and start, you know, <laughs> therapy animal goes cuddling against you. Thanks for your help, buddy. Ooh, ooh. And Lux is trying to, like, what happened? You, I didn't have to wake you, but what happened? I don't know. A lot of time is passing there. Sensing your worry, Stilton nuzzles you one more time and then looks you in the eyes and nods. Stay back and I'll see you soon. Salutes you with a wing (laughs) and hops off your shoulder as owls are wont to do um, and hops into one of the closets nearby and just basically um, on the way goes over and snatches some of the jerky and nuts and goes (laughs) in there. It's just going to chill and eat. Uh, And before you do anything else, give me a wisdom saving throw. Okay. I was going to say I want to – can I choose my spells first? Oh, yes, definitely. Okay, and roll my portents. Yes, Okay, cool. Oh, interesting. I rolled two of the same number. Oh. I'm going to do my wisdom save. Okay. I desperately want him here. Mm. 17. That actually passes. <laughs> um, so Flevo goes another day not knowing where you went. <laughs> and he can't cry on you until tomorrow morning now because you passed. Sick. But so you head out into the day. Zola is not rocking her long braid anymore but just in her mind wants to honor her mother a little bit and does two little braids at the each side of her face and her bob. Ooh, so cute. You walk out with these two um, braids. Absolutely adorable. <laughs> um, you see lots of the monks are like, oh my God, it looks so good. Wow, really did a great job. Notice the orcish braiding techniques. I can't believe it. Um, you follow Gossipy them. monks. Goss- oh, I mean, what monks aren't? You join these monks. You do not see Ardrahan yet, but you are with them and several elite guard led out of Kesegrumsh, the sounds of activity growing louder and louder as you do. Do I get breakfast or anything? They all pause for a moment. Were we supposed to get breakfast? I, I don't know. I... You guys usually do this on an empty stomach? Yeah, I'm, it's... Oh, it sucks to battle on an empty stomach, though. Um, here, and you see one of the monks comes over to you and hands you a power bar. Thanks. This is my own homemade thing, I... Seeds, a little bit of animal fat, and it's they'll carry you. Shout out, shout out, Gorp. It's this Gorp, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I throw it back. (laughs) You eat a little breakfast, I guess. (laughs) God, like you guys just gonna wake me up and then take me to fight? Like you're gonna do Beastmaster? Half of us did it that way. We didn't know that you would want breakfast. I feel like you should get a nice, good breakfast before. That's actually pretty fair. I now can explain why so many people have failed on their first one. If I get to institute any rules, it's you get a really good breakfast before your La Cultura. You see Greer in the corner scri- scribing <laughs> that down, nodding. Um, oh, what up, Greer? <laughs> I am you too. <laughs> Please do not 
not talk to me. I will get in trouble. <laughs> I <laughs> wink. <laughs> he shies away. Um, you wait there for a moment to finish your breakfast, and then you... <laughs> they stand as I chomp on Chomp peanuts. on it, yeah. The crowd <laughs> is growing restless outside. And, um, <laughs> I just there's and one of them's like you have a little on your face still. It's in this tooth. It's in that tooth, yeah. It's in stuck this, in your it's tusk. In my tusk, yeah. <laughs> and you have to get it out. Um, but eventually, you are ready. Um, as you near the exit, you realize it's not the regular goings-ons of the city that you hear, but a massive crowd of people packing the plaza and likely many of the streets leading to it. Exiting into the morning, the crowd roars! A mix of boos, cheers, and incomprehensible orc, goblin, knoll, and giant languages blending together. The mob is mostly orcs and half-orcs, as that is the predominant population of the city in general, but you do see there are a few goblins that have managed to sneak underfoot, and a few giants far in the back. The one from last night's like, from a distance. I give him a thumbs up and whisper to a guard and go, you guys thought about assassination attempts, right? Uh, the guards nod silently. Um, All right, good. Just they don't stand out. a chance. You are in good hands. Thank you. Stag ready. They both salute you. Um, you um, survey this massive scene, overwhelmed for a moment. You see a blue goblin, the one who seems identical to the goblinoid government building, you assume, Gob King Shite. Um, he's being carried on the back of a bugbear with a number of other goblinoids acting as his seat. Another smaller blue one is on a leash being dragged alongside. A knoll cackles from atop the rooftop of their kennel-like home. It seems that not only your people, but all of the people of the First Might have gathered to watch the daughter of the last chieftain prove herself a true orc. You are held there by the guard for a moment before the lumbering form of Ardrahan. Sacerdote of Grumsh himself approaches from behind you, his black scythe practically warbling with power in the morning air, his eyes once again covered by a black cloth. The crowd quickly begins to quiet, the presence of this man enough to demand the respect of all of them. After a moment, he speaks. Culture, collective identity, tradition, strength, Long ago, it's almost like he's doing like a beat poetry sort of thing. <laughs> Long ago, when our kind and all the people of our nation, he says, gesturing beyond the orcs closest to the goblinoids, giantkin, and gnolls beyond, came to this chaotic world. We were shown the way. We were taught what made us mighty. How true strength comes from the body, mind, and spirit when they are united fully, and how the weak reveal themselves when these aspects are tested. We once again gather to test another of our kind, to see if she truly has what it takes to be one of the first mighty people of this realm. There is a moment of silence before you hear the Gob King scream out, Show us what you got! And the crowd roars once again, a chaotic cacophony of excitement, fear, anger, and zeal. Um, Sacerdote? Turns to you. Yes? I wondered if I might address my people. He gestures forth. Please. I take a step forward. You see the giant in the way back goes, Hey, we're quite there! This one's going to be just awesome! Thank you! Stay ready! I, 
I do a low point at all the people I saw at the bar last night. A lot of them like toss up my <laughs> hand signs or like, what's up? So um, good to see you. And I want to look around in the crowd to see if I can find Kunik. Um, give me I a perception check. I know it's really big, but just want to scan. Yeah, it is with sight, so you can roll with advantage. Nineteen. With a nineteen, you could be certain that you do not see a Kunik in the crowd. Not seeing Kunik, Zola feels um, a little bit shaken, but closes her eyes, takes a deep breath, thinks about cows in a field to try and find her calm a little bit, and then is going to try and speak in broken Orcish to her people. My family. For 18 years, I lived a half-life among strangers. In common, we call them haters. Nods of agreement and a few of them muttering in their own language. Haters, Uh, haters. (laughs) Until a voice in my dreams rang out to me and said, Return. 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 And I want to try and see if I can get them kind of chanting with me, murmuring return. I'm having my um, moo with me rent moment. Roll me, and I'll say because you roll with a bonus for it, roll intimidation. Okay. Or you can roll with advantage. Okay. 14. Return. Return. First, Sacerdote Arjahan joins you. Then the elite guards return, return. And suddenly, like a wildfire, it spreads throughout the crowd until everyone is screaming, return, return. As they're chanting, I'm calling out over them. So I did. I put one foot in front of the other and I began to walk to you. I walked down dark tunnels and up over snow-covered peaks. I rode the trains of the capital and wet my sword in every town along the way, cutting down anyone who stood between me and you. And when I fell to my knees, Groomsh saw me with his one eye and set me back on my feet. And now, and I unsheath the tusk and cut them off and point the tusk at each one of them, here I stand, returned to you at last. And I see you have kept my seat in your glorious halls warm. Woof! Everyone screams a cacophony of not a, not a mix of and booze and other things, but a full-on cheer of rejoice as you are welcomed by this mob. I cannot go the last steps alone. Today, I prove my might and earn your loyalty. After that, it shall be your honored task to earn mine. What do you say? If I prove my might, will you prove my purpose faded? Will you prove my path true? The crowd quiets for a moment, and you see Ardrahan looks to you and nods. Well, did you hear her? Are you with us? And yeah, the crowd roars. I raise the tusk over my head, glinting in the sun. Return. Return over and over again as Sacerdote Ardrahan takes the lead, leading you around the Chiesa 
Glad I had some gorp before that. <laughs> Imagine doing that on an empty stomach. The <laughs> ah, voice cracking. <laughs> the elite orcish guard follows you around like the Secret Service, leading you through the plaza as the crowd surges along with you, almost like a parade. Um, you head towards the arena that stands opposite the main avenue leading in behind the Kiesa. The crowd, still giving space out of respect but growing ever rowdier, begins to follow, eager to get a peek. As I mentioned before, the stadium is more like a loose association of stacked objects put together to assemble bleachers around what can only be described as the Beastmaster course. Sick. <laughs> the entire arena itself is vaguely circular, but the actual course that you're looking at is hexagonal in shape. As you enter into the space and the rest of the elite guard kind of spread out, essentially creating a barrier between you and the, the, the motley crew of the First Might who are piling and climbing over each other to get into these seats. Um, many of them, anyone who can't fit in the arena has is literally climbing on whatever keep is associated with their kind to get a good view. You imagine that further than that, people are climbing on other things just to see what's going on. You see before you this hexagonal course leading up to it, since it is kind of elevated about 10 feet off the ground, is a single gangplank that stops at a stump platform. It is connected to other stumps by a variety of different challenges, created by this scaffolding-like structure built into and around. Following the path left to right, you see past the first stump is one of these sort of wooden man posts. You might've recognized it from like martial arts training kind of thing. Um, you see one of them is taking up like the first stump to the left. Like that you, you jump enter. on? Yeah, like you have to like, like they usually hit back if oh, you hit one gotcha, kind of gotcha. thing. So um, you see one of those is like the first obstacle to your left. Then there is a series of lily pad like platforms dangling from the scaffolding above that you must travel from to get from the first to the second stump where you see the glistening bald head of Telegio blocking the path ahead. <laughs> Past him, you see uh, the connection between the second stump and the third is actually just a full log that is likely greased with animal fat based on how it is glistening in the sun. Um, love animal fat. We love animal fat, gang. Hey, it's very useful. Uh, leading to the third stump where you see a high striker, one of those strongman games you see at the carnival where you have to like swing a hammer down. Beyond that, you see a makeshift climbing wall that is between this third and fourth stump. And then that is connected to the next one by a zip line. The fourth stump looks completely empty but it's connected to the fifth by these hanging iron rings where you see Kunik blocks your path. After that, you see another set of wooden platforms like that are lily pads. Basically, whether you go left or right, the first thing you're gonna face is the exact same thing. Like the, fir the first slash sixth um, of both sides are the wooden man with the lily pads leading to essentially a fighter that you're gonna have to deal with. This entire course is surrounding, but not linked to a tall central structure. One of the 60 or so foot tall tusk-like guard towers positioned around the city. Sharp, jagged wooden spikes jut out from the rickety structure. And at the top is a single platform where you see from this angle, it's kind of difficult to fully make out, but is most likely some sort of pedestal with like an object on top of it, mm. uh, rectangular in nature. Once you are brought before the course and you watch as Arjahan and the rest of the orcish leadership are led to this sort of box seat section that is like lifted up and overviewing everything, um, the crowd begins to quiet. When he speaks, he speaks in common a language all of these folks understand, though you do hear a number of translators kind of 
echoing him to kind of connect with the other leaders that are within the First Might. Lakotora begins with a trial of the physical form. To prove that your body is mighty, you must gather the three keys, each standing for the three tenets of might, strength of body, mind, and spirit. Once you have found the keys, you must get to the top of the tower, and he gestures to the tower in the center of this course, and there you will begin the second trial. You may use any of your skills, but if at any point you fall from the structure, you must restart from the first stump. And if you ever stay down, you fail, and will be culled like all those too weak to be one of our kind. Are you ready, Gorgonzola Parma? Yes. He looks to you, the thaumaturgy he was using to echo his voice far, kind of fading, and he calls down to you. The previous record for the first trial is 1 minute 30 seconds. Let's see if you can beat that. Oh, I'm going for records? <laughs> With a slam of his scythe, you hear an explosion of sound that resonates through this makeshift stadium. Let's roll initiative. Blade Ward myself if I can? You wow, definitely um, have cool. a chance, yeah. So I'll say that Blade Ward is up. Cool. I do a spin with my sword, and then I just look a little buffer. Everyone cheers. It's fucking sick. <laughs> Fifteen. Fifteen. The moment you walk up the gangplank, and I assume that you're going left, or do you want to go right first? Oh, okay. So to the right is towards the side where Kunik is on, right? Yes. I if will you... go to the left, then. Okay, so you're going to, essentially, you're leaving her for last. I, okay. Yeah, I look at Kunik, and I kind of give her a look that's like, you maybe could have mentioned this, and then uh, turn over my shoulder, kind of square my shoulders before turning towards Telegio. Give me an insight check as you cast that look. Okay. Eleven. You look to Kunik. Her face is kind of taken aback, I would say, by the look you just cast her. You run up onto the plank and move left, heading towards the first stump where the wooden man is essentially positioned for you to, to deal with. And the moment you do, a hailstorm of food and debris begins to rain down from the audience that laughs and jeers as you attempt to keep your balance. I'm going to roll an attack. Essentially, they get like a high bonus to hit. And if you get hit hard, you'll have to um, roll a dexterity saving throw. Okay. Okay. Fuckers. Okay, that's going to be a dirty 20. I will tell you this. You can shield on something like this. Do you want to, or do you want to risk a deck save? Zola wants to just shrug it off, but I think she just raises her arm and silently shields and just doesn't even look up at the audience. There are a number of shouts of excitement as you show off your magic for the first time in front of these people. Cheers echoing throughout the stadium. You begin to understand that this is just part of it. It is not, uh, they are not actually hateful of you, but it is an unfortunate aspect of this course yeah, that you feel like you're going to be part dealing with. I also um, bend down and pick a little bit of a pastry off the floor and eat it because I'm still kind of hungry after the gorp. <laughs> yeah, you, you open your mouth and catch a um This should croissant. have breakfast. <laughs> Oh, that would be a good idea, yeah. Um, you continue to run. How far across is this gap? Like, the wooden man is in front. 
front of me, between me and the stump, or? So it's it's on the first stump. It basically is like, you have to use your full movement to get to the, each stump. It's like 30 feet between each stump, equidistant. And then once you get there, that's when the obstacle okay. is there. So the first stump to your left, as you approach it, you watch as glyphs begin to light up alongside this wooden man and it begins to kind of swing at you as you're trying to get past it. <laughs> you think that you could use your turn in a number of ways here. You could try and destroy this thing to get past it. You can try and maneuver your way around it, though you might take some damage. And if you get hit by this thing, as it will be making an attack on you, you will have to roll a strength save to stay on. I'll take the dodge action and just try and like literally like roll past it, like underneath its arm. Absolutely. And just come out on the other side of it. Yeah, this is a large enough stump that it's like, this thing takes up, it blocks your path. You have to go through it. But as you run towards it, you feel your eye burn and it begins to almost slow time. So you can kind of see the movement before anything happens. It's gonna roll its attack on you with disadvantage, natural two. You easily roll underneath one of the swinging posts um, and you roll out onto the other side fully have passed this obstacle. As you get onto the other side of it and you see the glyphs kind of power down behind you, you look ahead and you see a number of these lily pad-esque platforms. They are literally just a square, like it could be the top of a crate that is hooked and tied to a rope that is just dangling from the scaffolding above. Mm -hmm. It's 30 feet from here to where you see Telegio. You gather two things. One, you imagine that you could leap that distance or try to, but if you land too hard, you could break the platform. So like long jumps would put that at risk. Right. Um, the other option is if you happen to get to the end, you might end up lining Telegio up for like a solid hit. Right. So tell me how you would like to approach this. Okay, here's what I do. I gear up like I'm about to run across the entire distance. Telegio's on the other side of these. Correct. I'll run halfway across 15 feet and then try and lightning lure Telegio into the air and oh, let shit. him crash down. Oh shit! Oh my god! Okay, he rolls a strength save. Yes. Okay. And my save DC is 18 now. Oh fucking boy. You land on the middle lily pad holding onto the rope. You conjure up this lightning lure, curling it out. It goes right around his throat, and with a natural one, you yank him from it, and he hurdles towards you. Um, give me a perception check as time almost slows and your eye begins to read the situation. Okay, with sight? With sight. 13. 13. You don't notice thing, anything of note as he tumbles into the ground. He does take damage for that, so you can roll. Four. Four, okay. He takes four damage. Was that all my movement? I moved 15 feet. Is it half movement for the lily pads? It is half movement okay, for cool. the lily pads. Yeah, yeah. If, especially if you're moving carefully. So, no worries. Um, yeah, you are still hanging there as he kind of crashes into the mud below. You hear laughs echo throughout the entire stadium. I kick some french fries off the lily pads so that they land on his face on the ground. They land in front of him and spell out, you're an idiot. And he's like, what the hell did that happen? Uh, did you have breakfast? Of course. His turn is over, essentially. He has to, he gets up and he climbs back onto it. You. It is your turn again as he stands up and just looks to you. Um, he's covered in mud, he's fuming, but he smiles and goes and gestures towards the rest of the course. All right, then I will 
journey onwards towards the next stump where he was standing. Okay, you run onto the next stump. Um, use your full movement to get there. There is no nothing of note here now that you've arrived. Before you is the greased log. So it will just be one athletics check. If you pass it, you can roll your dexterity saving throw with advantage. Because no matter what, you're going to be slipping and sliding on this thing. But if you like go in strong, you'll have a better chance of getting across. Yeah, I think unafraid to get messy, I will just like get down on my belly and start shimmying across it. Okay, I'll give you advantage on the athletics check. Because okay. you're essentially... <laughs> like not afraid to look silly right yeah now. like you know the crowd is like a mix of like what like what the, what are you doing but like you push on you get low and you start to crawl Ooh, okay 21 for athletics you needed a 20 to get the advantage on this I so low. you get advantage on this deck save okay. 18 18 you pass it without issue getting low you <laughs> slowly make your way across takes your whole action to do so but you then find yourself standing on the third stump where a high striker one of those strongman games you see at carnivals blocks the path if you strike it then it looks like a platform that is kind of being bound up to it will be let go and it'll allow you to run down it to get to the climbing wall that is between mm. the third and fourth stump so this will be your whole action for this turn. Um, you can just make an attack roll. The AC is only 10, but how much damage you deal will determine how far up the bell goes. You're trying to hit a damage threshold of 15 in one hit or 30 in one turn. Okay, I will uh, spin and slash at it with the tusk. Go ahead, make your attack. 26. That'll definitely hit. That's 19 damage, so I'll hit it again, right? You hit 15 in one hit. Oh, 15, which you, nice. you slam the tusk down and bing, it hits the top in a flash. The crowd roars as the platform is let go and it falls kind of toppling a little bit and wobbling as you suddenly rush past this, this carnival game and begin to run on the plank, approaching the wall. As you approach the sharp, jagged, wooden spike covered wall, you get a full view of it easily 30 feet tall, essentially half the height of the central tower. Um, it has a sort of hut at the top, but with no obvious threats. How do you want to proceed? Clang the bell, bridge drops, I start to run, misty step to the top of the hut. Wow, you have s avoided something that would literally take like three turns away from you. You and then at the top and everyone again roars with approval as you have shown off your magic once more thoroughly impressed by you um, at the top you are now in this sort of hut and you see that inside is a small chest on a wooden pedestal one that actually mirrors the one at the top of the tower in the center beyond the chest is a zip line that leads to the next stump what would you like to do I'll kick the chest open. You kick the chest open and watch as a number of glyphs flash. Uh, give me a constitution saving throw. As very similar to when you first found those orcs in Paddlewick, a poison. puff of poison sprays in your face. Fuckers. Mask up. 21. You successfully shrug off the poison condition with beating the DC 20 for that. Um, Good you old gorp. Pull up your mask. <laughs> think of that gorp in your stomach. Um, and inside, you see that there is an iron key. One of the three keys you needed to find. 
All right, I tuck it into my crock. <laughs> <laughs> you grab it, you bend down, tuck it into your crock. What an interesting place. It immediately feels uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> All right, I put it in the, in the top like a gibbet. <laughs> like a gibbet. Uh, you then grab the zip line and begin to fly down on the other side as this crowd begins to hurl debris at you. Um, I'm going to roll an attack. Aim for my mouth. Aim for my mouth. They uh. they roll really low, so I'll say that once again, you just open your mouth and you catch a, a slew of different... You catch a whole hot dog in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it does it. It's the back of your throat. And you like almost fall off the zip line. But you land... Zip lining first into a hot dog. <laughs> and just... And then you bite down on it. Um, and, um, you actually... As you were going down the zipline, give me an investigation check as you're looking towards the next stump, the fourth stump. 16. 16. You look and you see that there are some very faintly inscribed glyphs on this stump. And you see before it looks to be a punji pit, this like spike filled pit in which the rings that lead you from this stump to Kunix are hanging above. Mm. You have essentially a moment to react. You can't do a full action, but if there's something you want to prep going into landing on this, you certainly can. As I land on the stump, I will land, slam the tusk down, and dispel magic. Oh, shit. You watch as the glyphs flare up the moment your body touches it, and you feel wind, a wind wall, begin to surge underneath you, threatening to throw you off, but you... I just anchor myself into the stump as the wind dies down. Incredible. You land the crowd screaming even louder as you look up towards Kunik, who has turned to face you. She nods, um, and you can use your movement to cross these, uh, to cross over the punchy pit if you want. I'm, before I do that, I kind of point my thumb back at Talajio and I go, do, do I still technically have to fight him? She looks to you and she's going to actually kind of almost give you advantage on when you confront her. She twists the ring of copper on her finger and messages you. He has one of the keys. And do you have a key? She shrugs. Um, is your turn. You can use the rest of your movement, but no action to go across these monkey bars. Yeah, I kind of smile at Kunik. Like, I'm coming for you. And I'll start <laughs> uh, hand after hand, pulling myself across the hoops. Once again, the crowd hurls trash at you. This time rolls a 21 to hit. Yeah, it'll hit me, shield or not. All right, give me a strength saving throw, because you are now trying to hold on as you feel a full wheel of brie clock you in the head. Um, 18. 18 just saves. Okay, I was, I was going to use my Indomitable if Ooh. I needed to. <laughs> you, for a moment, feel yourself sway. You're using a lot of energy just to plow through oh, this. The cheese wheel seems like too much. <laughs> you see one person It's is... got to be perishables. Perishables. <laughs> There's this um, f- female orc swatting her husband, being like, that was our cheese for the week. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, land on the fourth stump facing Kunik. It is your turn because she essentially used her turn to cast message to communicate with you, but she has braced up and is, you know, facing you. She has a battle axe in hand now. Don't go too hard on me. You still need to do two more trials after this. Save your strength. I kind of glance nervously at Telegio. You see Telegio, who has now uh, climbed back onto the stump. He has reached into his tunic and has pulled out the key and is waggling it at you. (laughs) Taunting from across this, this hexagon. There's no way you want to, like, just give it to me, right? And I will cast Charm Person. 
Oh, okay. She technically in combat against it, so she gets advantage. I understand. Um, but with a natural three and a natural one, she fails. And she goes, you know what? I don't care if it gets me in trouble. Hands it over to you. Thanks. I'll shove her off the platform. <laughs> she uh, easily falls back. Um, and you see the crowd is like laughing hysterically. You kind of get the feeling that some of that laughter is aimed at her and not with her. But all in all, the crowd is siding with you. And you look back over your shoulder at Ardrahan, who nods impressed at your use of magic to beat your opponent here. That is the fifth stump. You look across at the second where Telegio stands. How do you want to get to him? So he's totally across from me, right? I would have to go back around. You're at Kunik before you are lily pads, then a wooden man, then back to where you start, and then another wooden man and another set of lily pads before you get to Telegio. All right. Zola is thinking battle tactics right now. I do not have to play by their rules. I'm going to pull up a roiling chromatic orb and hurl it across at Telegio. Okay, roll an attack. Okay. 19. 19 does actually hit. And he is not one of the magically trained knights here. He is purely strength-based. I'm just getting it started, but I'm making it clear that I have no intentions of just walking up and wrestling him because <laughs> I know I'll lose. <laughs> you literally make moves towards the lily pads and outstretch a finger as this chromatic orb surges out and hurdles across, kind of bending around the massive tower in the center. What I kind of damage? do lightning damage. Crackling with lightning. So it's, it's like a huge version of my lasso. Yes. Like extending over my head and then like congeals into one ball and shoots forward. And as it does, it explodes, lightning crackling across the course. Okay, well, sucks to suck, it's only five damage. The lightning strikes him and he laughs as it surges through him, but you ignore him and you continue. Um, it looks like, based on how many rounds that have gone by, you're still kind of within the time zone of getting to the top at before an, uh, a minute and 30 seconds, though that is obviously not like just completing the course is what you need right. to do. Um, and so in front of me, the tower that is between Telegio and I, how much higher than me is it? 60 feet. 60 feet. Okay. Yep. Yeah. If I have the go for, then I'm going to just leap and throw my body at it and try and grab onto the side and start hulking my way up. When you make a long jump, you cover your strength score. 23. So that is 23 feet. All right. You can almost make it with your leap. If you do something that could secure it, there's like literally there's seven more feet that you have to clear. Right. As you leap, you realize you're like, oh, this distance, like I'm, I'm just going to miss it. And if I land on the ground, I got to start over. I will feather fall so that I maybe I can just kind of float down and land a few feet lower than I would have jumped. But I just kind of like jumping and then angling my way down and landing maybe like 20 feet up instead of 23 or whatever. Okay, I like this. Yeah, as you're in the air, you kind of you throw out a feather and you begin to float a little bit more, um, which kind of carries you. And I'll say that literally you land just above the ground, inches above where the muck is. And you hear I the crowd grab gasp. my foot up and my butt's kind of hanging low like on American Ninja <laughs> Warrior when they almost fall, but they manage to reclaim themselves. Yes, the crowd gasp, but you pull yourself up. You are now clinging to the center tower. You have two of the three keys. What would you like to do? Start climbing up. Okay. You climb. It's going to be because you move half your movement when you climb. This is a 60-foot 
tower. It's going to take you four rounds to get to the top. All right, showing out just like Zola ripping off spell after spell. I will cast Spider Climb so that I can like rocket myself up, like scuttling up the tower. Holy shit! (laughs) And I think it's what does your movement become? Is it just like you don't take any penalty for moving? No penalty. The target gains a climbing speed equal to its walking speed. So so thirty feet. So you can either use your um, action surge and get all the way to the top in one round, or you can just do two rounds and you'll be up there without using any other things. I will just. I don't need to go for speed. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna just climb up there. Easily enough with the magic of the spider climb, your your fingers getting tiny little spider hairs on them as you begin to scale up, careful to avoid the more jagged pieces of wood. Uh, within 12 seconds, you are at the top of this tower. You see from here, you can you it is an incredible vantage point. Literally all around you, this crowd of people spreads not only from like all all in the stadium but down the streets and on top of the rooftops people are cheering as they see you look down upon them all from up there um while you're here you do see that there is um as i described a small pedestal in the center and on top of it looks to be this iron chest that is covered in different designs you move to the opposite side and look down and you see telegio is down there uh, on his stump um, he's got his arms folded and he's, he's miming a yawn for the crowd who laughs. But I'll say this, because you came up on the other side of the tower, he doesn't know exactly where you are yet. You can give me a stealth check. Okay. 19. 19. Telegio does not see you. He is too busy trying to earn the favor of the crowd. What would you like to do? I'm going to try and legit, like, wrestling move WWE leap fuck the key leap off of the tower and just crash down on him okay you're gonna let's hmm. and i guess i'll try and pin him all right let's still do our let's still do a grapple check okay i'll say that you will still be able to aim yourself for him if you fail the grapple check you risk falling off the stump for sure so let's roll um i'll tell you right now that he does add a decent amount to this, but it is not a crazy more than what you add. So let's roll. 29. You leap from the top of the tower, rocketing down towards Telegio, who at the last moment looks up and goes, oh shit, and you boom, slam into him. He rolled a 22 on his grapple check. You are now crushing his body um you guys both take <laughs> that's damage. yep you both take 23 damage as you crash down upon him um and the two of you are grappling each other on this stump um you see around his neck now that you're literally pinning him the key is like with kunik just tied to a like a little simple rope necklace um, it is technically his turn now. He is going to try and shove you off. Um, he does get three attacks, so he gets three chances to do this. So okay. let's do opposed grapple checks. Well. He rolled a uh, 14. Super close. So he grabs and he gets full control with his first attack. All he needs to do is win on the second one and he'll be able to successfully push you off. Okay. He essentially gets three chances to get you in get you in hands and then throw and then you. Throw me, right. um, oh my god, I'm rolling so low. So you really just have to roll higher than a two. 23. 
He rolled an 11, so you maintain. And I'm he, grabbing him, too. Like yeah. Grabbing his arms back. You guys are, like, thrashing on top of it. The crowd is roaring. Um, last one. 17. He got a 22. I'll give him a 9. Okay. With that, he gets an 18. Oh, shit. And I got a 17. So, with that, Fuck. he grabs you and throws you off of him. You smack into one of the lily pads, causing it to snap, and you pff, tumble into the muck. The crowd roars, ooh! It just means you have to go to the square one. You still have the two keys. You, essentially, you lose two turns to I run back. shake it off and run back around and hop up. He laughs as you do. It's easy enough to get back on the gangplank. You run towards the wooden man, which lights up once more. Uh, it's going to roll an attack on you. That's a four plus its bonus. You easily once again. In fact, I'll say this time, its wooden arm swings out, but with your momentum, you grab it and you allow it to fling you forward to the other side. Um, you begin to go across the platforms. Do you want to try, you want to use your whole action and essentially give him another three chances or do you want to take it slow and then you'll probably be the first one to move when you arrive? I'm going to see if I can catch him with the same trick. I'm going to like make it seem like I'm going slow this time, and then I'm going to try to lightning lure him out again. Okay, he rolls a strike save. That's a natural 16 plus his bonus. It wraps around his throat, but he snaps it in place. For every eldritch knight, there is a mage slayer. That's a sick name. You know, we gotta, you gotta have both sides. Is you that know? really what it's called? Yes, I, I'm, I'm one of the mage slayers. She was one of the knights. He points over to Kunik on the other side who rolls her eyes from the uh, from the ground. She's gotten off the stump at this point. All right. Point. I guess I'm a mage slayer slayer. <laughs> uh, go ahead. You st it is now, essentially, it's your turn again. You went halfway across but didn't get to do anything more. You can use your next turn to use your full movement to finish the journey and then use your action to grapple him. Yes, I will. Uh, or to tear the key from him, I guess. I will run back across and... I'm going to try and, like, headbutt him while I grab up and snap the key from around his neck. Okay, roll an attack and then okay. roll a sleight of hand check. Okay. If you hit, I'll give you advantage on the sleight of hand. I feel like I can kind of, like, blind and dizzy him enough to yeah, just, like, Yeah, disorient him. This is an unarmed strike? Yes. Okay. 27. 27 is going to hit. Seven damage. Okay. And then I'll roll a sleight of hand. And you get an advantage on this because you hit. Six. Okay. You manage to crack him in the skull and he stumbles back and your hand does make it around the key, but you feel his hand grip your wrist and the two of you are now stuck together once again on here. Good fight's better than a fast fight, huh? This has been fun. You've really earned your place as Stregrede. That is a natural 19. I'll tell you right now, he gets a plus nine, so he just rolled a 28 on a strength check to try and shove you off once more. So you get to oppose that with your strength. All right, I have to roll 17 or higher. I do not. You feel your body tossed backwards, crashing into the mud. He laughs once more as you scramble to your feet and once again have to run back to the beginning. Sola is getting really pissed off. You rush back to the beginning, climb back on the wooden man as you approach, begins to light up. It's going to roll an attack. That is... A 15 to hit, which doesn't hit you. Again, you're just, it's, at this point, you've... Can I try and destroy it? Can I try and kick it and just, like, literally, cr like, crack it in? Yeah, at this point, you can use your turn on this round. <laughs> Give me an attack roll. 
20 plus. 20 plus, that is going to hit. Now roll damage, you're trying to hit a damage threshold again of 15 to disable this. 18. Ooh, you jam it and you see that the one of the glyphs, the one in the center, cracks as the wood splinters and it kind of flickers off. You move around it, another round gone, but that will not cause you any problems anymore. Back at the lily pads, what do you do? I'm done wrestling. I will kind of refirm up my grip on the tusk and go running across the lily pads, um, aimed straight for Telegio with my sword. All right. I will move safely across, and then when I get there, I will action surge. You begin to approach using the remaining lily pads. You're kind of swinging as you step across. He prepares himself, ready for round three. And just duck right under his arm and start slashing at him with the tusk. Okay, go ahead and roll your attacks. 27, dirty 20. Both of those hit. The dirty 20 just hits. Okay. Fuck. Because the AC is 19, naturally. Gotcha. 15 damage on the first one, 12 damage on the second one. You slash into him twice and blood splurts all over you as he stumbles back. He's still up. He has the key around his neck. He goes, looking for this? Um, And he's just going to punch you in the face. That's a 23 to hit. I'll take it. It's a natural 20. And that's a natural 17 plus his bonus. So you take... 15 damage as you like take the swings at him he grabs the tusk rips off the key and just punches you in the face three times you feel yourself stumble back your nose splurts with blood you are not off the stump yet but you are still in your in direct combat with him now it is your turn just dueling spinning around this stump with him as he's punching at me and i'm rebuffing him with my sword i will once again attack him with the tusk okay if the people want to see the tusk, I'll show them the tusk. Okay, 18, which doesn't hit, but the second one will hit. It's okay. 28. Zola, like, barely seeing the key, just very annoyed at this man who took her here in chains and now for some reason is part of her coming-of-age journey. <laughs> 15 damage again. He's taken some serious hits, but he is still standing. It's his turn. He's going to again try and just clobber you again. That's a... 16. Hits. That's not going to hit. And then the last one is a 21. Hits. Okay. So you take 10 more damage as he backhands you and then grabs you by the throat and punches you in the face. He's trying to like dangle you off the side of it now. I lean forward and bite at his neck and try and just tear the key off with my teeth. Go ahead and roll an attack with advantage because that's fucking sick. <laughs> As I'm being dangled over, just like lean forward, gnashing at his neck. Like he thinks I'm absolutely deranged. Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. Gross. Damn it. 26. With the additional cover that this object gets from being on his body, that still hits. So you snatch your teeth around it and... Essentially, he had, it's, it's actually crazy. He had actually had it in his hand, remember? Because he tore it off. Right. So you just like bite his wrist. He lets <laughs> it go and you snatch it out of the air with your teeth. He stumbles back. The two of you still on this stump. He looks at you and you have the key in your hand. Um, I spit out blood around it. It is now his turn. He roars and he's just going to do all of his energy into one big throw. Essentially, I'm going to say he's going to roll with advantage on this grapple check to knock you down. That is a 24. Yeah, there's nothing I can do. I lose. I got a 20. 
He tackles you, and the two of you crash into the mud on the ground, thrashing around it as the crowd roars, loving the chaos. It just means that you have to go back to the beginning, essentially, but as you kind of push him off you, he laughs and puts a hand out. Great fight. You're fucking crazy. Hey, fuck you, man. You shove him off and run towards the beginning once more. All you need to do is get to the top of this tower. Okay. What would you like to do? Are you going to try and do what you did last time? Uh, I'm just going to try and like lightning lure myself up like step by step using it kind of as like a, like a carabiner. Absolutely. You run towards it from the gangplank, leap into the air, conjuring up this lightning lure that shocks out and lassos onto one of the spikes, allowing you to like Indiana Jones style swing up against it. And then you begin to rock climb with it. The crowd begins to chant, return, return return as you climb higher and higher and higher pulling yourself <laughs> to the top of this tower i look like shit as i emerge like my hair is muddy and my braids have been like ripped out i'm holding three bloody keys and my bleeding fist and like spitting out like gross stale popcorn from my mouth <laughs> at the top the crowd roars return and the trial is over the crowd's cheers begin to die down as you look towards Chief Ardrahan, who beams up at you, his eyes still covered. Not as clean as I'd like. Still incredible work. Praise Grumpsh, for she has proven her body is mighty. Hail, Stregorede Gorgonzola! And the crowd roars once more, chanting your name as you stand, panting from the top of the tower. And that is where we'll end our session today. <sighs> With two more trials to go. Rough. Gang. An all-out fight. Gang, I'm reeling. Not only was that even harder than I thought it was, but I had to do a shard dream today. So <laughs> I got to go get stoned. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you especially to our Eldritch patrons. If you would like to become an Eldritch patron, go to patreon.com slash try not to die pod. The July content surge will be up, I think, next week. Um... Or I guess when you're hearing this, it might be the week you're listening to this. So mm -hmm. stay tuned. It's only $10 to go listen to that. And we have a very special guest on. Mm. Um, any plugs, Lise? You know, if you want to hear a musical episode with my dulcet tones, there's a little, so there's a little tease for you. Um, contribute to our Patreon, even if it's just a dollar. It's so helpful to us. And if you give the dollar, you don't have to have a bunch of stream platforms on your phone. Just send a try not to die on the Patreon. You can download them. You get access to our music, which you can use in your own home campaigns. Mm -hmm. You can see news posts if you're just like, when when does Try Not to Die come out? Like, when are the bonus episodes yeah, out? What's, what's, like, going what's on happening this month? this month? Like, if you're wondering when Noah's birthday live stream is. I was literally going to say <laughs> the next thing. Um, this, I think, is actually going to, because Chapter 73 comes out next week. This will come out the day of. The day of the live stream. Live so stream. if you're listening to this, holy Join shit. Join us tonight, 7 tonight, p.m. 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The New link's York on City. our YouTube, but it's open to everyone. Um, so you can find a link on our Patreon or find a link on our youtube um come hang out come hang we're out we're gonna celebrate noah's birthday and also i mean we're we're gearing up to it. i think by the time we get to your birthday we're going to just have hit twenty thousand streams which ah, is whoosh. bonkers bonkers baby <laughs> consider me bonked 
so Ugh. come celebrate with us. We always do a bunch of fun like quizzes and games. <laughs> yeah. We play um wed bed behead. Oh. Last time Noah tried to make me um name as many quicklings as I could, and I did really bad. It was very very. Funny. It's very silly. It's very silly, and of course we take. I mean, you're gonna be in the comment section. We take audience requests. We answer questions. Whatever there. you want, get in there. So thank you once again. I hope that I desperately hope that Zola still has enough energy for these last two trials. Hey, I got six spell slots left, baby. I'm, I'm kind of stacked as a wizard now. Yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> Until next time, try not to die. All hail our eldritch patrons. Especially Anita, Ashley, Becca B, Colleen, Eclair, Elana, Emily, Jacob, James, Joey, Kate, Leo, May, Morgan, Nat, Nicola, Paige, Roni, Sahara, and of course, our producer Patty, Patrick Branstetter, and producer Daddies, Becca Mount, and Rose Evelyn Campbell. We thank you for these podcasting powers and promise to raise hell in your names. Till next time, try not to die.